Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And uh, we're going to read several verses here as Jesus is preaching a sermon. Some of it may be uh, very, very familiar to you. You may say, well, that's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And actually, uh, I have uh, found one thing to be very true, that, uh, uh, that preachers repeat themselves. And uh, the reason preachers repeat themselves is because people need things to be repeated to them. Amen? And uh, Jesus was preaching on another occasion and used many of the same things that were included on the Sermon on the Mount in this passage. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was at the same time or at the same place. Or, or you know, we have those that go through the Bible and they try to to just condense the Bible. Uh, Reader's Digest actually made a condensed version of the Bible several years ago, and one of my favorite quips was just add water and it'll be fine. Uh, uh, you won't be able to read it, nor is there any need to read it. You don't want a condensed version of God's Word. You want what is there. And so let's just start reading here in verse uh, 30. Uh, Verse 31, actually, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags that wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily. I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Skip down to verse 40. Be ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Now, as Jesus is explaining here, and one of the themes that you will see all the way through the Bible, if you'll just read it and and look there for it, is that we as human beings are so concerned and so consumed with what we have that we totally ignore the great things that God wants to give us. Why are we so worried about what we do have when there is so much more that we could have? I mean, the world has many quaint little sayings, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. The only problem is you're still dead. 
So what good do your toys do you? Uh, they say, get all you can and can all you get. Isn't that what they say? Uh, but what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to afford the storage bills? I mean, does anybody have a storage place in New York City? You know how expensive that is? I mean, it's it's crazy, and yet the world has all these things. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to, to look at something completely different. I want you to look at life completely different than you ever have thought of it. And in verse 31, he says, but seek, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, Let's go back and pick up the context here. And uh, we come to verse 16, and Jesus starts into this uh, section, and actually it's in response to someone that was in the company. And, and, and if I could paint the picture for you this morning, you go back to chapter 11, and, and Jesus was bidden over to a meal at one of the Pharisees' houses, and and Jesus begins, as was his uh, habit of doing, is calling attention to the foolishness and, and to the emptiness of the religion that was espoused by the most religious people in the Jewish world at that time, that of the Pharisees. And in offending the Pharisees, he offended the scribes and he offended the lawyers and uh, Jesus, of course, tr was trying to plead with them for their souls. And, of course, whenever there's a good fight going on, what does everybody want to do? Oh, they want to watch. And so they could hear as these Pharisees were arguing and raising their voices and arguing with each other, trying to argue with Jesus, all of a sudden people started coming out from all around and gathering there around them and and Jesus began to teach first his disciples and one of the guys speaks up and says Lord implication is you're a very righteous man you're holy make my brother divide the inheritance with me now you know what he couldn't have been paying a bit of attention to anything that's going on he had one purpose in mind. His brother wasn't doing right with the estate of their parents, at least according to him. And if Jesus really believed in doing things right, then Jesus would solve his problem. You know what? A lot of people go to God that way. They already know the solution. They're, they're just asking God to help them out. And Jesus, of course, gets to the heart of the issue. And he says, God didn't send me to be a lawyer. I'm not a divider among you. And he comes down and gives us several stories. And the first one here is that of the one we call the rich fool. And in verse 16, it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, 
What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, there's a warning here. And it is all through the Bible. We are far too much concerned with what we have. And far too little concerned with what we could have. You see, you not only have physical needs... You have spiritual needs. How many would say, I have emotional needs? Not that you're an emotionally needy person. We're not necessarily accusing you of that. But most of us have all kinds of things that we need in our life uh, that money would not necessarily solve. I think of some of the loneliest and saddest stories I know of are people who had great amounts of wealth. Not that the life of Howard Hughes bears much investigating by anybody who wants to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but when he died, he was arguably the richest man in the world. How many people know how Howard Hughes died? Died on an airplane somewhere between Mexico and the United States. He was stretched out on a cot, emancipated, starved half to death. When they did an autopsy, they found needles where he had tried to inject himself with drugs broken off in his body. If you've ever been to the phlebotomist to get a blood sample and they miss the blood vein, that hurts. If you've ever had a splinter, I mean, microscopic splinter can inflict a terrible amount of pain, but I can't even imagine And here's arguably the richest man in the world. He was so afraid of contamination that he would not even allow clothes to be put on him. Totally without mind, reason, or anything that would be considered humanity. And guess who got the money? The lawyers! And one heir that he hated and did everything he could to write out of all of his wills and make sure he wouldn't get anything. That's, that's Howard Hughes' legacy. I don't care. I don't 
have, have no interest in watching movies about men like Howard Hughes. But the simple truth is, there was nothing done to provide for his spiritual needs. And when you don't take care of the spiritual needs, guess what? There's going to come a time when the physical needs are going to be found wanting too. And Jesus is warning us. He takes this story of this man whose fields brought forth abundantly and and apparently his barns were already full and wheat and things like that can be kept for for years under the right conditions and in the right climate. And, and this man said, listen, I'm not going to have to work anymore. I can sit back and rest and enjoy life. And God said, what are you going to do tonight? Because you're not going to see the sun come up in the morning. And Jesus goes on and gives some examples here to be spiritually poor is the greatest tragedy that a man can experience, that a woman can deal with. But I want you to understand something in order to be spiritually bankrupt when you meet God. There are choices that have to be made in your life to get you there. You see, God doesn't want you to be that way. And we can go to many different passages. Uh, The letter to the church at Laodicea, he said, if you would only allow me to give you ointment to put on your eyes so that you could see. If you would only trade in the rags that you think are beautiful for the true dressings of righteousness, you would have everything you need. This book is about man being wrapped up in the things that he can hold and God standing there saying, if you just let go of what's in your hand, I'd like to give you something. That will last for all eternity. You see, here's what Jesus said, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. That ought to be our first priority. Now, the kingdom of God is... A wonderful thing it is brought forth in the Bible. Jesus preached. John the Baptist's sermon was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Bible here says, Seek first, in Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God here in the book of Luke. What is the kingdom of God? There's a lot of arguments about that. In fact, there's people that have built entire theological treatises on the kingdom of God and written huge books on the subject. Uh, I, I like to keep things simple. 
The kingdom is the area controlled by the king. Amen? I mean, you can't get any more basic than that. In a few chapters, Jesus is going to say, Lo, not here or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is... Does anybody know the rest of the verse? Within you. But there is a future aspect to this kingdom where Jesus, as the son of David, where Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, will sit upon the throne in Jerusalem and rule over this world for a thousand years. Could you imagine what health care is going to be like when Jesus is in charge? What the economy is going to be like when Jesus is in charge. And we read in the book of Revelation that one of the praises that the saved are going to give in heaven is thou hast made us unto our God, kings and priests unto our God. You know, I'm going to have a part in that kingdom If you're saved today, you will have a part in that kingdom. But today, right where we are now, God wants that kingdom to be where? Within us. How many of you have ever fought with yourself? I see some smiles. I see some frowns. Uh, I, I promise you, if you haven't, you haven't done much else. You, you, you have had contention with yourself. You know why? Because you have a flesh. You have a carnal, sinful nature that was descended in the image of Adam, no longer in the image of God. And that carnal nature, the Bible says, our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says, the fool seeketh his own heart. The wise man seeks the heart of God. Amen. But let me ask you a question. If Jesus were on the throne, if his kingdom where he ruled and reigned was actually inside you, how much room would there be for strife? Hello? You see, we've got a problem. Our problem is... The kingdom is not being exercised within us because we're hindering the work of the kingdom. That's why Jesus, when he preached the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew 5 and 7, the first blessed, the first beatitude, the first sentence was, Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, 
this man in verse 21, he had treasure on earth, but he did not have treasure toward God. He was poor. Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a connection here for you and I? you think He's trying to put some things together so that we would see that, listen, the kingdom is there, but the kingdom is the inheritance of those that come to God and admit their spiritual poverty, their inability to do anything. And no, we are not Calvinist here, and nor do we ever want to be. We don't subscribe to a human depravity to the point to where man cannot make a choice, because all the Bible is about choices that people make. If you were here for Sunday school, Samson made some horrendous choices in his life. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to seek occasion against the Philistines. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, did he make the best choices? Uh, no. Did God come down and thump him on the head and say, Samson, you're going to get in trouble? No. Samson already knew the Word of God and chose to disregard it. And when we have strife in our own hearts and in our own lives, that's where it is. Uh, God is not in charge. There's choices that have to be made. And we go through these next several verses here. And, and, and Jesus tells us not to take thought for what we're going to put on, not to take thought for what we're going to eat. Uh, most of us take too much thought for what we're going to eat. Uh, uh, the life is more than food, meat. And the body is more than raiment. And he says, look at the lilies. Look at the grass of the field. I like this verse 25. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Now, how many of you know how long a cubit is? The first time I I read this passage... My, my, I was a, uh, just a young man. You know what my first thought was? Elevator shoes. You can put inserts in your shoes and get them cut a special way. And you can actually get three or four inches of height. And uh, if you're one that's desirous of that, uh, that's probably the simplest way. I know the story of a man who actually had his shin bones cut in half and an extension installed in there so that he could be taller. Lord, save me from wanting anything that bad except to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't need surgery to serve the Lord. Amen? I mean, there are people who are so wrapped up. A cubit is the distance between the elbow and the tip of the finger, about 18 inches. Even Mr. Surgical Procedure isn't going to get 18 inches. If he did, it'd be the most ridiculous-looking thing that ever walked on two feet. 
You see, that's what the world does for you. You cannot alter so many things. How much of you how many of us have worried about something that you couldn't change this week? Something you could do nothing about. You know why? Because we're so wrapped up in the things that we have or the things we think we can have. And we're ignoring the things that God wants us to have. That's what this part of this sermon is all about. It says, seek ye the kingdom of God. How do I seek the kingdom of God? I want Jesus Christ to rule in my heart. I want Him to be in charge. I want this life to be under His authority and within His domain. You know, there's some things that happen when you have a good government and a good leadership. What's the first thing that a good government does? It protects its people from outside forces. Isn't that true? Let me ask you a question. If you were under the authority and within the realm of the kingdom of God in your life, do you think Jesus would protect you from outside forces? Uh, Let me tell you, he would. He's promised that he will. He will keep you. Does that mean you'll never suffer? Nothing ever wrong will ever happen? No. Sometimes He leads us through very difficult times. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Read the Hall of Faith. But what He is interested in is He is interested in using you and I to bring glory to His name. And if you could be used in such a way, guess who's going to be the greatest beneficiary? You. Because God will have to fix you before He can use you. Amen? God's going to have to clean you up before He can get glory from you. He cannot use you the way you are, but you must come to Him just the way you are. But when you do, He's going to change you. And when we seek that kingdom, God will not withhold from you what you need to serve Him. You know what? There's never been anything we needed to serve God that God has not given us. Now, have there been things that we thought we needed to serve God? That he said no about? Oh, yes. Lots of things. You see, when God makes a promise that he will give us everything that we need to serve him, he is the one that determines what we need. And when we surrender to his determination, guess what we've just done? We've put ourselves under the authority and within the domain of his kingdom. When we refuse to be satisfied, 
And when we're always reaching out for something else, guess what? We're going to find ourselves. Look at verse 29. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. You know what happens? When we try to get things that we think we need to serve God, we end up acting just like the world. Isn't that what Jesus just said? He said, that's the way the nations of the world behave. It says, your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So we seek first, we seek the kingdom of God. We seek that domain where He is in control. Now look at verse 32. Or let's finish verse 31. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I don't know how many people I've met over the years that treat God if He were some great miser hoarding over His riches in heaven and that if we begged Him just the right way, maybe He'd flip a coin to us in benevolence. Can I I tell you that's a God that is invented in the imagination of a wicked man? has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. You know why God often withholds His richest blessings from our lives? Because if He gave them to us, it would destroy us. You know what? You think you can handle a million dollars. Let me tell you something. Read the story of the people, stories of people who win the lottery. They get these huge payouts. I believe the average is somewhere around seven years after receiving a huge payout. And we're talking 80, sometimes over $100 million, that they're actually deeper in debt. They're poorer after receiving all that money than they were before they started. Many of them are dead. Remember the story of one man lost his whole family because of his money that he had won. God doesn't want to do that to you. He wants to give you what you need to serve Him. To live under the dominion and within the realm of the authority of His kingdom. The question I have for you is, What more can you ask for than God has already promised you? Here's what Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants us to have the kingdom. He wants us to live in peace with him. And by the way, when you have peace with God, guess who else you'll have peace with? Yourself. 
And when someone else comes and wants to take away your peace, guess whose responsibility it is to maintain the peace? He who rules the kingdom. Amen? Isn't that true? Say, but you, you don't know what they're doing with me, to me. I, I always get a little afraid. I've, I've had several people over the years say, Pastor, you don't know. They're playing mind games. And uh, I said, well, I said, I have a cure for that. I said, well, what is it? I said, get rid of it. Get rid of what? Get rid of your mind. Amen? If you don't have one, they can't play with it. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if my mind is under the dominion and the authority of the king, then it's no longer mine. It's his. It says we have the mind of Christ. We know what Christ wants to do. And if I'll give it to him, then you can't play with it. Hello? You see, that's what it means to be under the kingdom, to be in the kingdom. God wants to give it to us now, but He wants to give it to us for all eternity. He wants to give us riches that the IRS can't tax. Wouldn't that be wonderful? He wants to give us riches that no thief can steal. Do you know that they cannot make a lock that is unbreakable? You cannot generate a a computer code that is unbreakable. You know why? Because if something happens and you cannot remember the password or don't have, then whatever it is becomes totally useless. There has to be a way to get into it. That's just fact. Always love it. We have built the newest and the greatest and the best and the most secure thing that you will ever have. You can't get anything more secure. But whoever made it has got the key that opens all of them up. Except when I put my riches in God's account. Then He has the key. But I dare you to try to take it. Amen? I I dare you to try to steal what is laid up in heaven. Uh, You can't do it. John put it this way. 1 John 2.28 And now little children abide in Him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes about meeting God. There's a little twinge of fear when you think about that because he knows everything There's nothing he doesn't know. But then you know what my next thought is? Jesus has been there first. On my behalf. You see, he reconciled, if you're there Thursday night. God can go to his books 
when the devil accuses us of things that we have done. You know, the devil's not dumb. He doesn't accuse us of something we haven't done. He knows what we've done. But God goes to his books and he can prove. Uh, excuse me, that was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. You have no right to bring that up in this court. Oh. How much money would it take to get something like that? See, you can't buy it with money, Amen. You see, God said there's some things that he wants us to do to put ourselves in this place of blessedness, this hope of eternity, and the promise of what we need now, right here and now, to serve him and to live for him. God is not going to withhold. If he gave us Jesus, what wouldn't he be willing to give? Amen? So here's what it says. Seek ye the kingdom of God. You know what? That's a choice you have to make. You know what? You're going to have to make that choice this afternoon. You're going to have to make that choice this evening. You're going to have to make that choice when you get up and go to work tomorrow morning. You're going to have to make that choice many times through the day. Am I going to seek the kingdom of God or am I going to try to do the best I can? You know, it puts things in a whole new light, does it not? Had someone come to me one time and said, Pastor, my boss wants me to lie for him. And I said, that's a terrible thing. And, and during the course of the conversation, it, uh, 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 the person made a statement. I told him I would not lie for him anymore. Uh, I said, uh-oh, wait a minute. Uh, there's something wrong here. Well, I, I, I did it once, but I, but I, told, I said, listen, once you do it once, you've given that authority... To do it again. You have not sought the kingdom of God. I knew a man that was asked to lie in Cleveland, Ohio. One of my favorite stories. He ended up losing his job. In fact, he lost his job in such a way that it ruined his reputation in a town as big as Cleveland, Ohio. And he could not get work. Not in his line of work. And he didn't know what he was going to do. And I remember talking to him. He said, listen, I've lost my job. My boss lied about me. He wanted me to cover up for him. And when I refused to do it, he made it look like I did the wrong things. And, and fortunately, the company decided not to prosecute and put me in jail. But they fired me. They blacklisted uh, me all through the town. He said... I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know God's got something for me. Because I did right. Oh, and just a little while later, he comes up and says, Hey, guess what? I'm going to get to move to West Virginia and help a man start a brand new church. And he said, I got a great job there. And some people understand the situation. 
and he had a special needs son who who needed a lot of uh, just physical and and intervention. And that was one of his concerns. What am I going to do and how am I going to pay for this? And he said, it just so happens that in this town is one of the best hospitals in the whole nation dealing with a specific problem. I'm going to get better care for my son there. I'm going to get to help start a new church. And I got a brand new life waiting on me because I chose to obey God. Will that happen every time? You know what? God's not a slot machine. You don't put the coins in and pull the handle and expect Him to do what you want Him to do. But I will promise you this. If He puts you through that trial, He'll bring you out on the other side. That's what the Bible says. If you put you through that trial, well, that's a completely different scenario. Praise God. He is a God that forgives. And that's all part of seeking the kingdom. When you do something wrong, where are you going to go to get it straightened back out? Back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Back to within the authority of the kingdom. We go through there and it says, sell that ye have and and provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. And, you know, there's always those... People willing to take advantage and use the Bible. And they say, well, listen, just give it all to me and you'll have treasure in heaven. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says, give it to the Lord. How do I give it to the Lord? Well, if you like cute little sayings, it's make sure the Lord has your things instead of your things having you. Amen. That's that's all. That's all it is. It's. Setting your heart upon that which is eternal. And it's being ready when Jesus comes back. You know, we do not know when Jesus is coming back. Oh, every once in a while you'll get some smart apple that will... How many remember Harold Camping and his doomsday prophecies? He put billboards... Uh, I wish I had the money he spent on billboards to give to our missionaries. Amen? Uh, It would have done something positive. Nobody even knows about him anymore. He is so non-topical. You know why? Because he thought he knew when the Lord's coming back. You know how you can be ready when the Lord comes back? It's getting up tomorrow morning. And asking God, how can I seek your kingdom today? You know what? I imagine there'll be a little bit of this involved somewhere. Amen? I imagine there'll be a little bit of this involved. And you don't have to get on your knees and fold your hands to pray. You can pray in any attitude, in any position. But you know what I'm saying. I imagine the word no will come in there somewhere. Because if I have to say yet, if I'm saying yes to God, I've got to say no to some other things. See, that's, that's not positive. Oh, yes, it is. Because when I can be in His kingdom, there are no negatives. 
There is nothing that you can hold on to that's going to be of any value when you stand before God. So why worry about what you have when you ought to be worrying about what you could have? You know, I'm not preaching this sermon and I hope you don't interpret it this way that I've got it all together and you poor miserable slobs need this. No, that's not it at all. You know what church is about? It's about us Struggling together to serve the Lord till He comes. He's the head. We're the body. We work together. Seeking His kingdom. If you've never been saved, you cannot seek the kingdom of God until you surrender your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. After you're saved, do you know what you ought to do? You ought to get baptized and join a Bible-believing Baptist church. I have one I recommend if you live in Astoria. Amen? If you can get here, we recommend this church. And somebody said, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, for the right church. Well, I'm afraid you'll never find it. And if you did, once you joined it, you'd mess it all up. Uh, the simple truth is, get in a church that teaches the Bible and start struggling along with us. That's, that's what it's about. You can't seek the kingdom of God and not be right with the local church. You can't seek the kingdom of God and not part with some of your finances to send the gospel into the world in which you live. You, you cannot seek the kingdom of God and be involved in the world, its music, its process. You know how you win the rat race? It's by becoming a lamb and getting out of the race. Amen? They tell you to swim with the sharks and not be eaten. The only way you can swim with the sharks and not be eaten is by being a shark. Uh, But my mama taught me that it's not a smart thing to swim in the shark pool. And I can't find a verse in the Bible that says that that's what I'm supposed to do in seeking the kingdom of God. I'm not competing with the world. I'm trying to seek the kingdom. I'm not trying to get what I can put my hands on. I'm trying to get that which I cannot touch until he gives it to me in eternity. You see, if I'm under the authority of his kingdom, he provides, he protects, and he'll keep me. Until that day, the kingdom is physical here on earth. We don't know when he's coming back. But if I want to be ready, I'll seek the kingdom today. I will choose to direct my heart to that which is eternal. 
and I'll wait. I'll expect Him today. You know, that's hard to do. But if I can choose to be in the kingdom, if I can choose to set my heart on things above, I can ask Him to help me choose to expect His return today. And all God's people said, let's pray.